0: Should residential agents consider adding commercial into their real estate practice? We're gonna discuss that today. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host, Through the show, and in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Helen Chong. Before we get to Helen, just a couple of quick reminders. As always, please tell a friend about our show. There's 1.6 million realtors out there, so not everyone has heard of Keeping It Real, so please. Find someone else in your office or another agent that you feel could use a boost in their business and send them a link to our, our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. We appreciate it. And also follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash keepingitrealpod. Every single day we post an article that we find online specifically written to help agents grow their business. So find us at facebook.com forward slash keepingitrealpod. All right, enough from me. Let's get on to our interview with Helen John. The show Helen Chong, she's the founder of the Halen Group in San Jose, sunny California. Let me tell you about Helen. Now, Helen Chong, CCIM, is the founder of the Halen Group in San Jose, which is dedicated to helping clients build their real estate portfolio from residential and commercial real estate sales. She has over 16 years of real estate experience as an agent, mentor, as well as an investor. Helen's company, the Halen Group, has been recognized as part of the top 1.5% real estate teams by America's Best. So she's a top one, one and a half percent team. She's a sought after speaker as well on real estate related topics, has written real estate investment articles featured in Forbes. She's also or has been the president of the Northern California chapter for CCIM, which stands for Certified Commercial Investment Member in 2020 and 2021. And she's also recognized as one of the women of influence by the Silicon Valley Business Journal of 2021. And recently, she's now also an author. Helen has launched her new book titled Power to Change uh, lives, where she documents her journey full of obstacles as an immigrant from Hong Kong and Indonesia, coming to the United States alone without any family or financial support, and how she ultimately found success in the real estate industry. We are super excited and honored to have Helen on the show. By the way, before we, I officially introduce Helen, please, everyone, visit her website, which is HalenGroup.com. And Helen is H A Y L E N group dot com helengroup.com helen welcome to the show ah,
1: thank you so much i'm so excited to start talking
0: i am so excited too and i um i really uh just love your energy and i would love to start all the way back at the beginning of your journey into real estate so can you talk a little bit about how you found real estate why and what mm-hmm. that was like for you
1: well, actually, I, I mean, most people, they don't graduate from college and then want to be in real estate, right? So right. Um, I, as an immigrant, um, I was a foreign student and I really needed a job that could sponsor me for a work visa. And I interviewed for so many different jobs and finally landed a company that was willing to sponsor me. And and has a re- pretty good title. It's called an analyst for a pension consulting firm in Santa Monica. Sure. And I got wow. this beautiful ocean view right off of Ocean Boulevard. And I thought I got the dream job. Um, so my job was to look at these institutions, pension portfolios, and then crunch all these numbers, see how they're doing. But in the, about 2002, that's when the um, tech bubble busted, right? Sure. So. All of a sudden i was looking at all these people pension funds portfolio i was just like oh my god they lost so much money and uh i was like i thought this is how people retire retire uh, you know relying on their pension funds right and um you know my the thing is you mentioned earlier i'm an immigrant i came here because i was trying to find that american dream i was trying to find that you know um the the financial uh sorry the financial security and uh So I don't have to worry about that. And then all of a sudden this whole dream just busted. I was like, oh my God, this is not real. And so I I figured that I need to figure something out. I need to find another kind of investments that has a little bit more control over because I don't want to retire in the wrong year. And then the So so this collapse. is
0: a this is a really important point so just to make sure everyone here is on the same page because Helen's making a very very important point which is around if we remember uh if we were around at that time I certainly was uh in fact I have a one I have a letter from one of my best friends who is a financial advisor and he's in very competent financial advisor, although I'm going to make him sound like he's not because back in the late nineties, we had just both graduated college and I was looking to invest the little tiny, tiny amount of money that I had, which was basically nothing. And he said, and I said, Oh, well, I should ask my friend who is a financial advisor. And so he wrote me this letter and I still have it today, which this is like 1999. And he goes, we, I want you to invest in these mutual funds. They're tech Mutual mm. funds—they were up 180 percent last year. So oh the God. sky is the limit, and and of course then the tech bubble burst in, in the early uh, early 2000s, 2000, 2001, and then the uh, this is really what Helen's talking about is had you would retired now, now now my friend by the way was a young financial advisor but. This is what financial advisors were telling people back then. It wasn't that mm-hmm. my friend was, a, a, you know, a, a dumb or, or or incompetent. It's what people were doing, and a lot of people who were retiring around that time really, um, you know, unfortunately, they saw their their you know their their assets cut maybe in half, maybe more, um, because they were yeah. over, uh, you know, they, they they were sort of you know in that particular tech sector. Too much of their assets were there, so. I just wanted to catch everyone up because what you just said is very, very important is that if you retire at the wrong year in the market, mm-hmm. um, it could have, you know, dramatically negative effects.
1: Exactly. I literally, I met some guy and uh, because I I was researching different type of investments. So I started going to these real estate investment seminar and this guy, he was 65 years old. And then we started talking. He was like, well, I was supposed to retire uh, this year, but then now my retirement funds dropped down to only $150,000. So I need to figure something out. And he said, like, I wished I had gone into real estate investment earlier on to protect myself. And in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, it's true, you know, if you invest into these stocks you are giving your life savings away to these companies that you think they would know what they're doing right but you have absolutely no control and no say into this whole thing so um and I just started reading at the time you know just like a computer and I remember I was printing all these articles online um especially foreclosures.com I read every word and every creative strategies and I've I've gone to different kind of seminars and I just felt in love with real estate um and the opportunity presented itself and i basically switched my occupation from uh you know have a, having a very stable job to trying to get you know like commission earn commission with no stable um stable salary i actually i was going to start working for another company and I interviewed, I got the job and the HR called me. It's like, okay, you know, I'm going to send you an acceptance letter. Are you going to take the job? And I was like, uh, I
0: was
1: like, I really want to try real estate. If it doesn't work, can I come back? And she was like, uh, no. <laughs> 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 but I was like, well, I got to try If I, If I don't make it, then I'll look for another job. Then I feel like jobs will always be there. But if I don't you know, have this leap of faith, I would never know if I can make it in real estate. But it's scary really scary.
0: It, really scary because number one, you're not from here. Um, you don't have, uh, I, I'm guessing, I'm, I shouldn't speak for you, but did you have a, a sort of sphere of influence or people that you could work with when you when you started in real estate? Or did you find that, no, I don't have that? Um, and was that a challenge?
1: I did not have that at all. I mean, being here by myself right and it's not like my parents had any kind of real estate experience back in Asia either so I didn't I just knew I wanted to be in real estate I didn't even know what you can do in real estate I didn't understand realtor whatever I just know okay I was an analyst I was good with numbers and I saw this ad on newspaper yes on newspaper and it says mortgage, uh, looking for mortgage broker. So I applied and I thought I'm innovating for a job. I was like doing my best and they're like, okay, just come in and start working. I'm just like, okay. So I literally knew nothing about real estate when I first came in.
0: It's amazing too, because I think as a mortgage broker, so much of that job is, is sort of sales focused and, and those skills, Mm. it's really a sales job more than, more than anything. But the, the being that you had a more traditional consultant style finance background, a corporate background, uh, looking at investments, you know, looking at at, at, at you know balance sheets and ledgers, um, I suspect that made you very valuable on the mortgage side because you could provide probably more insight than the average loan officer.
1: I you would. Were- you would think that but then i really (laughs) didn't think i was (laughs) just because of the fact that i mean at the time we were doing all these um subprime loans right it right. was back in 2005 around there and uh so i was like oh you don't even need to prove your income or i, I mean i was calling home telling my parents like he, people you don't need to put down payment to buy a house is that and amazing you, don't, you yeah. don't need to make a lot of money i mean i had i had little a client was a taxi driver and back then he was looking for a million dollar property and all we did was just like how much money do you make and he tells you a number you write it down how much money do you Having a bank account. He yeah. tells you to write it down. It, there was no verification of anything. It was just like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it it was a weird time and there were interest only loans and they were, you know, there was option some arm. And yeah. And, and it was, it was a, it was the wild West. Um, and so, so talk a little bit more about like, so you, so you're in, you're now a, a loan officer, you're seeing these, hmm. uh, sort of unusual, Goings on with with lending in, in the mid 2000s, and and then what what happens after that?
1: So um, then, of course, I I was really trying hard to do cold calling. I never looked at myself as a salesperson. <laughs> you know, like you sure. said, I'm more of a constant uh, consulting type of person. So yeah. I was supposed to do a lot of cold calling, and it was just like really hard to get started. And nobody, none of my friends trusted me, right? Because mm-hmm. they all knew that. I, I was not in real estate before. So um, I had a rough start. I really didn't make much money. And then all of a sudden the whole market collapsed. Yeah. Just mortgage industry is all gone. Mm-hmm. Our The brokerage company that I was working for was gone. Mm-hmm. Then I started going into real estate investments. I was learning how to invest, understanding. I mean, I became a professional student in a way. I just kept going to listen and listen and listen, But you've got to do it, right? If you're learning all these things. So finally... Um, they said like, well, if you want to join this bootcamp, you need to pay $15,000. And I'm like, I didn't have $15,000. I had a credit card. They're like, well, increase your credit limit and go pay for this <laughs> $15,000 bootcamp. And uh, well, I did. I literally was shaking and I was crying. Wow. I was like, that is a
0: huge, yes. you, you bet you, you, that is a pivotal moment in somebody's life. So you didn't have the money. You're obviously a responsible person. You're not somebody that probably had other debt at all. And now you're like, this is an investment. This is my tuition, but it is, there is no guarantee. Whereas if you were to continue on through academia. And, you know, there there's masters and, and, and then there's doctorates and, and there's more of a predictable sort of thing. Well, if I do that, then these opportunities open, you're going blindly into something that you can't afford with no guarantee. I think that mm-hmm. takes tremendous courage. So I, I honor you for that decision. Oh. Um, and I understand, I believe that I would not make that same decision because I do not have that kind of courage. So I really applaud you for, for taking that step.
1: Well, at the time you probably, I, I was thinking like, am I one of those people who got folded into this whole thing right and yeah and then honestly i have nothing else to fall back on if i if everything goes south i don't have a home to go back to i have to literally fly back to asia right and that's it so um i i told the person who took my credit card i was like this better be the moment that changed my life (laughs) and he was like just follow what we teach you and it will and i'm like okay so it, it did, it did change my life. I mean, it's not just like that, but the knowledge and the experience I've learned, I started investing. Then I, because I started investing, I have more people coming to me saying, like, oh, can you help me to look at properties now? And that's how I switched from a mortgage broker to an investor and then to become a realtor.
0: It's it's an incredible story. I I, I just love the fact that you bet on yourself and uh, so many successful agents, um, that I've spoken to and and even people in other industries that are successful, or we consider to be leaders oftentimes have that moment where they bet on themselves. And Mm. it usually logically looks like a, maybe a bad decision in that moment. Like, oh no, this might not work. And here you are. Um, and, and everything's sort of Moved forward from that really difficult decision, so I, I hopefully that's inspiring to our audience that sometimes, not sometimes, betting on yourself is probably the only the only person that's ever going to bet on you. Predictably, could be you, um, and if you're lucky, other people bet on you as well. But you have to take that first step, and so let's talk about that. So you you started, you basically went to school. You went to school mm-hmm. to learn how to be uh, be in real estate invest investments, and then you were able to take that knowledge. And then bring that to other people. And then other people were finding you. Did you find that that that, that, that you see your role more as an educator, uh, more versus a, I'm going to help you win this home? I, I sort of believe that you have just so much knowledge. I'm curious how you see your role when you are working with clients.
1: Oh, I definitely feel myself as an educator. Um, I never looked at myself as a salesperson. I don't know how to sell. I would say, I don't know how to sell. I cannot convince you besides telling you the information and let you absorb it and then guide you through this, you know, uh, all this information. It's funny, we, we sometimes tell our clients, we tell them more no than a yes. It's like, don't buy this, you know, don't go for this. Um, because we, I mean, this is really our philosophy and also our um, our goal within our company. We're saying like, we are not here to sell our clients. We're here to educate them. And then help them to make the right decision. So it's it's really and again with that whole. I'm sorry, my my Siri kept um, kept turning on, <laughs> but, but but um is, I know why because when I whenever I say seriously, it will turn yeah,
0: on. Yeah, <laughs> same thing happens to me when I say that same word, which I'm not going to say because it would activate it on my side. Anyone with an Apple computer knows this knows this problem. <laughs>
1: Sorry about that. So um, but I think like there are a lot of um, uh, for somebody who wants to be in the real estate industry it's not just about sales. We have to remind ourselves that this is the biggest purchase for most people in this world and we need to educate them, help them to guide them through. That's the more of a focus because we know that real estate, we can make a lot of money and that's what clouds our judgment when we help our clients.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I appreciate you saying that. And so you went on to do your own investments, working with other investors as well. Oh, can we just clear up a a dispel a myth uh, for our audience who maybe is thinking, "Well, I don't know any investors. Even if Mm -hmm. I had all of the knowledge of what kind of deals to look for and 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 how to evaluate properties, whether they're a good investment or not, I don't know anybody who has a lot of this cash sitting around to buy these properties." Um, And I. Putting words in your mouth, and I shouldn't, but um, is has it been your experience that it's hard to find the inv- harder to find investors, or is it harder to find opportunities for investors?
1: I I always say it's much harder to find an opportunity, finding the deal. If you if you find the deal, somehow investors will just appear in front of you. You won't even know. It's crazy how easy to find investors and money.
0: Yeah, yeah that that seems to be what I what I've heard from from in, uh, you know realtors that that do invest or work with investors is finding the deal is is the is the hard part and you're right like almost by almost like moths to a flame they somehow find you when you have these opportunities so i mm-hmm. what i don't want to do is spend time really talking about how to find investment opportunities mm-hmm. because gosh there's a million other podcasts out there that focus exclusively on that sort of education although i do recommend for anyone that is interested in getting more knowledge about how to invest bigger pockets is probably the premier mm-hmm. resource for agents to kind of just get a sense of how investors talk and how they think. Um, it's a great place, biggerpockets.com. We're big fans. They've been on our show as well. But you have written a book and I and I don't want to take more time to get because you're already a superstar. We've already talked at the beginning about all these amazing accolades and awards and you're a top agent on the residential and the commercial side. Um, I want to talk about your book because this is really taking your knowledge to the next level and really now saying, I want to give back. Um, you, you know, and, and oftentimes people I think always forget people don't really make a lot of money writing books, right? So oh, yeah. this is not a way in which, you know, we're not here to sell books so that you can make a couple of dollars on each book, although that's awesome too. But <laughs> the fact that you thought enough to say, I want to contribute and give back and 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 send my knowledge out. I think is so important. Um, So let's talk about your book. Why did you write it? It's called Power to Change Lives, by the way, available on Amazon. If you go into the show notes for this episode, you will see uh, a link right to the book, and I encourage everyone to pick it up. But let's talk about what is The Power to Change Lives and why did you write it?
1: Well, so I wrote this book, honestly, in the beginning was because I really want to document my journey for my kids to know in the future and uh, something that they can go back. It's like, oh, this is what my mom did. And then how she came here from with nothing, but also another way to explain how real estate have changed my life. And at the end of the day, as I was writing this book, I realized that, Real estate is about homes and that's what we feel the most comfortable with, home, a structure. But home doesn't, it's not just a physical structure. It's really the feeling of being, feel like, oh, I I feel secured, the peace and stability, everything, right? And that's what we want to provide for ourselves and for our children, our family. And uh, my journey was feeling like I had a great home and then how I lost everything and then coming to this new country. And then all of a sudden I need to find my footing Uh, where everyone was telling me like oh gosh you're Asian you know you will never succeed in America Uh, oh you're a woman oh gosh you can never do well in real estate or commercial real estate oh you're a mom now do you know how much time it takes to be a mom you can never you know it's okay just take time off why can't you just you know not work you know don't be don't ask for so much because you're a mom now. It's constantly telling you that because of my categorization, immigrant, minority, a woman or a mom, oh, you can't be successful anymore. So I the my title is Power to Change Lives. Because it's basically saying like we, we ourselves have the power to change our lives. And um, there are a lot of mindset, a lot of struggle. People only see like, wow, this is where you are now. You must have come easy you know things must have been handed to you yeah. but they don't yeah, see sure. the journey they don't see how hard it is and it's not just like oh you know i i paid that 15000 dollar check the next day my life changed it still right. took years of struggle and heartache and pain and um kind of documented a lot of these journey a lot of people would would go through and then at the end how you use all of that obstacles and leverage it and then put it into along with your education that you learn and change your life and to become successful. And so, but then I want to be very clear about what successful means, though. Successful, some people meaning is it, it's like how much money you make. But I think it's more important is about how happy you are where you are. Mm-hmm. It's not like everyone has to make a million dollars to be happy. You can make $100,000 only and you're happy. So it's how to make your life happy, doing something that you love and still enjoy your family time and your professional time, whatever you want
0: there is no sadder feeling i think than having something uh, achieving something that's a tangible goal maybe it's a financial goal or mm-hmm. some sort of life goal that that you think if only i had that then the happiness is going to come rolling in and 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 i really hope that uh, everyone listening doesn't have this experience in their future, but I have certainly had it. Where I hit some goal that I wanted to accomplish, and I thought that's going to equal happiness. Once I achieve X, then I I will be happy. And I remember achieving X and it being one of the saddest days of my life because. And then I went, oh, I'm I'm actually sad because I didn't have another thing to sort of do after that. I thought, oh, well now what now what? Um, and and it made me feel very sad because I had put all of my happiness into this. This one thing that mm-hmm. was over, um, and so I think you're right. I think this idea that well, if I made you know, X amount of money, I, I I'd be that. That's when happiness. And yes, it certainly can help make things more comfortable and open up opportunities. But I think you're right. I think the the striving for happiness, and I think, it is really the goal. And I think in real estate, we're really lucky in that we. We sort of deal in happiness, uh, uh, certain sometimes, right? With especially with people's primary residences, or in your case, also educating clients about investment opportunities, so that if the market does go down 150, you know, percent uh, next year, and you're retiring, maybe that you have some income-producing properties that are going to keep income rolling in, um, mm-hmm. which of course, you know, just uh, helps everyone's financial, ob- you know, obligations to and goals that they want to hit. Um, but let's yeah. let's talk. go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, so no. Uh, I mean, kind of want to make a point is that, you know, I always hear people's like, Oh, this is how much money we have made this year. Oh, this is how many deals we have made this year. It's so much. We focusing on the number that we put on ourselves and to compare with each other, then, you know, I, I, I don't really like to put out these numbers out there because I just don't feel like this represent success or represent happiness. So I'm trying to make kind of like defining is like, yes, we do need some kind of financial security, but it's more like the sense of security, sense of happiness and stability. That's what we are all striving for.
0: How much is of your happiness or fulfillment do you derive from contribution, from oh. being able to say, you know, I helped uh, somebody make certain decisions around real estate or, or other areas of their life? Um, is, is that a, a critical part of your own happiness?
1: I think that's a big part of my happiness in this job and what I'm doing. Anyone you talk to in real estate who has done it, they will tell you is hard right you initially you work 60 80 hours a week and you're like I'm not making money and how are you going to be really feeling the happiness it's like when they all of a sudden they close a deal it's like oh my god this is my first home and then all of a sudden I have this image of the kids like oh my god this is the memories they're going to have until they grow older right when they're at my age they're going to always remember this house that's the happiness you get from that um but if I constantly focus on, Oh, this deal, how much money am I going to make? And then ca- counting it every time I'm, I have a client. It's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah, I, I appreciate your insight into that because that, that just makes a lot of sense and I think it's a nice thing, especially in right now, the market is so challenging for buyers in particular, of course, um, understanding that, that, you know, throughout all of the frustration, um, What you're really trying to do is help somebody build memories, like you were saying, and and have wonderful memories, Uh, and you know that maybe that'll keep you keep the engine going a little bit longer while you're uh, waiting for for these opportunities to open up. Um, Let's. I would love to talk about commercial because we we do get. Mm -hmm. And I apologize. I'm going to ask you a question, but I'm going to ask you to hold the answer while I read a a, do a sponsor read um, for our wonderful sponsor. But before I'll let you know where I'm headed, I want to talk about commercial because there are so many residential agents that listen to our show who uh, we get this these this feedback uh this these emails and messages all the time saying I'm wanting to dabble in commercial Mm -hmm. um and I'd love to get your thoughts about how a residential agent who wants to expand their skill set maybe learn about commercial maybe add it into their business whether they should do that and then maybe some steps about how they could start you know taking that journey but before we get to that I want to just do a quick Live read for our wonderful, amazing sponsor, Follow Up Boss. So, this is one of our favorite tech companies in the real estate space. Now, I've interviewed over, oh gosh, I think we've done almost 400 episodes now of this show, um, hundreds and hundreds of top realtors from all over the country like Helen. And do you know which CRM is actually used by more than any of our guests? Of course, it is Follow Up Boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow Up Boss will help you drive more leads in less time and with less effort. Do not take my word for it. Uh, Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the United States, runs uses Follow Up Boss. And he's built one and a half billion dollars of business in just six years. Follow up boss also integrates with over 250 different systems. So you can keep your current tools, your lead sources, your your other systems can all integrate together. And the best part, follow up boss has a seven day a week support. So you will get the help when you need it, especially on the weekends when we know so often real estate happens and get this follow up boss is so sure you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time, they're offering keeping it real listeners a 30 day free trial, which is twice the amount of time that they give everyone else to test out their products. No credit card required. That's how confident they are you're going to love their system. It's totally risk-free, but only if you visit the special link. Please, everyone, visit followupboss.com forward slash real. Can followupbosscom forward slash real for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with follow up boss. Okay, Helen, let's talk <laughs> about uh let's talk about commercials. So what What is your thoughts about a residential agent saying, hmm, I'd like to expand into commercial?
1: Well, first of all, I, I don't find it anything wrong with it um, to expand into commercial as long as you are again go back to the advising ro- advisory role, right? Commercial, you have to be an advisor. It is not about emotion now. Um, in residential, it is very emotional process. Um, you probably do a lot more hand-holding, counseling, and all that, right? But then when you go to commercial, it's all about numbers. Very analytical. Can you handle it? And do you like it? That's the question. Not I. Just I just find that you really require two very different type of personalities to handle residential and commercial real estate and just somehow I am able to do that maybe I have some split personality I don't know but uh it's this I think both are very satisfying and if you're willing to learn the analytical side of the commercial real estate business absolutely but if you feel like you just have clients that you um, they, they are interested in commercial, just refer to a commercial real estate agent if you don't like numbers because you cannot get away with numbers. You have to make and sure your client's making the right investments decision. What?
0: That and also um, the complexities of some of the mm. lease, op- the, the leases that, that are that deal with mm-hmm. or the purchase, uh, you know, buy sells that happen uh, on the commercial side in the different sectors. It's it really is um, not as as uh, cookie cutter as residential, which we all agree. There's a certain types of forms that we all use and certain uh, understandings and agreements that are all pretty consistent. On the commercial side, it's really kind of could be anything and everything. In it. Um, and can you talk about the complexities of that and, and how you navigate through some of that?
1: Oh, so commercial real estate—we're just generalizing it, right? But then there's multifamily sector, industrial, retail, office, and then land uh, redevelopment. And then, like you said, they're leasing. Leasing is like a huge business out there. However, it doesn't mean that everyone is good at it. I'm not good at everything. I'm more multifamily person. Um, I love doing. My ten-year analysis, cash flow analysis, and all that stuff to look at multifamily investments. I do work on some of these investment property in terms of retail and office, but those are not my bread and butter work, right? And leasing is a complete, complete different animal. Like leasing, it requires a lot more negotiation, and uh, every landlord, every tenant has different needs, so. I wouldn't say like just anyone just because you're in commercial rules that you should do it. Like I, I just don't touch leasing because I'm, I don't think I'm good at it. So I won't touch leasing.
0: And, and I think to your point about the fact that you, you're specialized on the multifamily side is probably the closest to residential uh, out of all the commercial opportunities. So for agents that are traditional residential brokers or realtors, we in Illinois, we call everyone a broker. So I apologize if I say that word incorrectly for people in other states, but we'll just say realtor. For traditional residential realtor, uh, going into multifamily is probably the easiest transition because they are most similar to residential and um
1: most so that makes- similar, but it's also vastly different, right? <laughs> one to four units yeah. and five plus units, the way we value it, completely different. It's just like I, I, I have done a quite a few workshops teaching residential agents how to, you know, the differences between residential real estate and commercial real estate. How do we analyze each one? Is is just different ballgame.
0: Yeah. I'm curious too because I was just at the Zillow conference and we were they were talking about the millennials and the Gen Z market place that's or or sorry the 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 uh, the just that the millennials and Gen Zs are now getting into the buying space so they're they've grown up they now have some of them have have assets where they can now contribute uh, into real estate and try and. To figure out they, where, what trends that millennials and Gen Z's, what are they looking for? And house hacking came up. And I know mm-hmm. we're, 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 we don't need to get too narrow of our focus, but I would say that if it, it they, Zillow was saying, if an agent isn't really up on what house hacking is and how to talk about it elegantly and at least intelligently, um, Gen Z's are, are going to start running circles around you because that, yeah. this is what they're paying attention to. And I'm curious, um, you know, since you play in the multifamily space, um, if you're seeing more of a trend towards younger people starting to want to explore these opportunities.
1: Definitely. And it's kind of funny when I first heard about house hacking, I was like, what the heck is that?
0: <laughs> yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> and then, and then when I started learning about it, I was like, oh, okay. So it's basically you just renting out rooms, right? And, uh, in a house and then you try. Now, there's good and bad. I mean, good is that, of course, you can get a lot of great um, passive income, but then you're also meaning that you do have multiple tenants and a yeah. doesn't mean that you only have one tenant. You are dealing with multiple tenants, and so you have to comply with the rental laws. And then also, sometimes when you cut up a house too many times, you actually depreciate that house value. So it's a little, I mean, it's great passive income, but um, I think it's a little bit more than just passive income. You have to think about the future value. And, but on the other hand, multifamily, the way it's like you can, um, I have written articles on Forbes talking about how do you create a million dollar equity in a a flipping, I'm sorry, flipping a multifamily and create a million dollar equity without without selling it. And you can still get cash flow from this building. And so I love multifamily. There are just so many ways to play around it. And you can flip it without selling it and still get cash flow while you're you're remodeling it. So
0: yeah, and, and it creates a lot of opportunity too, because now you have leasing opportunities uh, to secure to secure tenants if if you're going to keep it and use it as income. Um, you have opportunities to do property management or to outsource all of these. Um, and, and there's there's a lot of revenue streams that come from multifamily that are maybe not as obvious. Um, and so for anyone out there, that is sort of interested in spending, you know, some time to get more familiar with how, you know, the multifamily sort of side works. Um, Where do you sort of suggest they start to get a little bit of education so they they can decide if they want to pursue it further?
1: Well, I know that a lot of association realtors, they offer these like basic multifamily classes. Um, And I'm part of CCIM, which is Certified Commercial Investment Member Organization, is an educational platform. And we do have foundation class where you can go in and start learning about these basic analysis. Um, For me personally, I took that first class foundation class for two days. I like fell in love with all these numbers and spreadsheets. And then, so I just went on and kept taking these classes afterwards. And I can tell you just with one of these uh, classes, we call CI 101, I've been using just that one class's information for all of my multifamily clients and everyone who look at the analysis just like blown away. It's like, holy cow, this is like so in-depth analysis. You can see, predict for the next 10 years where it goes. I do it on my own property. I do it on all of my multifamily transactions for our clients. So uh, definitely check out ccim.com. They have a lot of great educational classes for um, commercial real estate or multifamily.
0: Yeah, and that's that's wonderful. And I also wanted to ask you, because you have your own firm, you mm-hmm. aren't working for one of the large uh, franchise firms or you know, on the residential or the commercial side. And I'm curious on on how was, you know, that's also another amazing achievement of yours is not just being a successful agent, having successful investor relationships and having successful investments of your own. It's also, oh yeah, by the way, I run a business. Um, and uh, can you talk a little bit about um, about that and, and just, you know, w- how you were able to thrive, again, without sort of a traditional backing of either, well, I grew up here and I just know a lot of people, which you didn't, um, or I work for a company that's very sort of well-known and that you didn't have either. So can you talk a little bit about how you built your business?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's all about education. I love educating our clients. I love taking classes. I feel like the, the, um, you know, it's too easy to get into real estate, right? Getting your license, like anyone can get license, you can pass a test and that's it. But we forget that there's so much more we can learn after that. So I focus a lot of post-license education and I'm like a sponge afterwards. I just learn and learn and then I, you know, d- digest it. And then I teach to my clients. So until now, for example, I still do my month, I, I do my monthly housing market town hall, you know, just to educate people regarding our housing market and some kind of cost segregation or anything, right, from real estate experts, because while I'm interviewing them, I'm also learning. So that's literally how I built my business is because people see that I just love talking real estate. Um, and I'm just so focused on that they see my passion. So I was able to build the business without needing, I know, I always believe that my clients, come with me not because of my company name doesn't matter who i'm with they will always follow me wherever i go so it's important for me that when i started my company halen group um, uh, about 10 10 12 years ago i said that my halen group is going to be focusing on building real estate portfolio for my client and uh, i'm going to be focusing on education and advisory not sales and um Although three, four years ago, I actually plugged myself under this brokerage because I was so tired of like looking for new technology all the time. So uh, Side, Side Inc. is a white label brokerage, brokerage who provided me with a like technology platform and also marketing um, platforms and also their uh, legal support you know, having a broker. So now I don't have to worry about any of that. I have someone else to take care of that for me, but I can now focus a lot more on training my agents and also um, helping our clients to make sure that they get the best out of both worlds. It's like these big brokerage platforms, technology and marketing, and also my personalized, you know, advisory role with them to work with them one-on-one. So, yeah.
0: Well, I I am so impressed, and I love the fact that for you, you attribute so much of your success to being an educator. We talked about that at the beginning. I said I'm curious how you you see yourself as a consultant or an educator, and you said, "Oh my gosh, that's that's me," um, and that's what I do, and that's your competitive advantage, right? Because you're right; anyone can get a license. It's not uh, it's a moderately challenging test that that people all sorts of people can pass. And, and then it's like, okay, so now I, now I have a license. Now, how do I add value? Um, and you uh, have somebody who was not handed uh, a whole lot of, of, um, opportunities. You had to go out and, and, and find those opportunities. And you did that by earning them through, through education. So I, and, and being somebody who educates, so learning and then teaching. Um, and I think that if that's nothing else, uh, if you get nothing else out of this conversation, which I know you did get a lot else, not not Helen, of course, but our listeners, um, think about it as being an educator and you clients are always in need of education. It's the one thing that AI uh, is is probably not in, in, we're not in tremendous danger uh, of AI replacing is, is mm-hmm. education. Yes. People can learn things online, but emotional intelligence, um, uh, having somebody really guide you through the, 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 the entirety of a process, especially the ups and downs um, that hasn't machines haven't figured out how to do that. And hopefully exactly. they won't. And, and so, I, I do want to ahead, touch please. on something
1: if I have a little time with Yes, please. Sorry. <laughs> I told you, if I talk about real estate, I can talk forever. I love it. <laughs> it, it you, you touch on the exactly right about AI. Like we were so fearful of this AI is going to take over real estate, right? But then our clients still coming to us for advice. You know, I always, I tell my kids too. Yeah, you know, you need to learn how to code. But you know, one thing that robots can never take away from you Is your mind. Mindset is what you're saying, you know, what your your um, the education it can uh, share from your brain. Robots cannot take that from you. And the creativity part is also is really important. And if we say that we we don't like how people look down on us as a realtor because real estate industry has such a bad name, then we better educate ourselves and become a consultant instead of just focusing on sales.
0: Boy, I'd love to say I can say it better, but I can't because you just said it perfectly. Uh, Being an educator, a consultant is always going to be valued. Uh, And so Helen just said that. Um, so, what a wonderful way to end our our conversation! I want to remind everybody, Helen has a book that I want you all to go purchase. It is called "Power to Change Lives." It is available on Amazon and anywhere uh, books are, are available. "Power to Change Lives." Again, Helen Chong. Also, please visit her website. And by the way, if you have investors in your life, guess what? Investors don't always just look for opportunities in where you work, right? They look for opportunities all over, especially passive income opportunities. That's sort of Helen's specialty. Uh, well, not just passive income opportunities, but any sort of uh, real estate investment opportunities. But they also look. They also want to know what's going on in other markets. Um, so if you have uh, clients that are looking for investment opportunities, Helen would love to have a conversation and her team, she has a wonderful team um, that can chat with them as well. Or if you have a referral, maybe somebody's moving to the San Jose area and is looking to work with a top real estate team. Uh, obviously, Helen and her team would love to chat with you. They're one of the very highest producing teams in all of that area. But what's the, um, obviously, you can visit her on her website, which is halengroup.com, H A Y L E N group. Um, Helen, is there another way that anyone uh, of our listeners can reach out to you if they have something they'd like you to review?
1: Well, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Just look me up. Helen Chong, Helen group. Um, kind of, I, I, it it will be hard not to be able to find me.
0: (laughs) Well, Helen is a, a working mother, a business owner and an investor. Uh, as well as an author and, uh, and just um, an overall superstar in this industry. And we are so uh, grateful that you were to spend time with us. Cause I know how busy uh, that y- you are and we appreciate you taking some time to chat with our audience. And we want to thank on behalf of the audience, thank Helen for her time. Also on behalf of Helen and myself, we want to thank our audience for continuing to show up, listen to our episodes. And of course, We ask that you just do one thing, tell a friend. Please think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from hearing this really motivating and encouraging story from Helen uh, and send them a link to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com or just have them pull up a podcast app, search for Keeping It Real and hit that subscribe button. The more people you tell, the more people we can help. And we appreciate uh, that. So Helen, thank you so much for being on our show. We really had a wonderful time and um, we will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks, Helen.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Oh, oh.